Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. All right. Hey, well, I am so excited to be able to do week two as part of our Living in Victory series. And uh, man, week two is going to be great these next few weeks, as well as we walk through the 23rd Psalm. And so thanks for being here with us today. And I want to get us all on the same page as we start off today's message before we kind of really dive into it. And so we're going to do a little quiz. Uh, I need you to keep track, yes or no. Just keep track of how many yeses is all you need to keep track of. I've got a couple questions I want you to answer with yes. So here's the first question. Are you always in a hurry? Yes or no? Number two, is your to-do list always unrealistically too long? Number three, do you use days off to catch up with unfinished work? Number four, has more than one person ever told you to slow down? And when they do, do you take it as a compliment? Number five, do you feel guilty when you relax? Number six, do you have to get sick to take time off? Number seven, Does doing nothing drive you up the wall? And then number eight, do you find it difficult to say no? Based off those questions, how many of you would say uh, you had at least five of those, of the eight? Anybody with five, like overwork, okay? About three, you got three? Anybody get three yeses? Okay, the three yeses is is the benchmark. If you have said yes three times out of those eight questions, then you could really say, I am too busy. I am too busy. I, I, I work too much. I'm, o- I'm over, you know, scheduled. And here's what the, maybe the comforting part would be, is that God would say the same thing about you, that you're working too much, that you are too busy. Now, taking that and the fact that we are all kind of on the same level, the same playing field here at this point, let's look at our focus verse for today out of Psalm 23, verse 2. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Here's what we can know. This is a Psalm of David. And David, if you know anything about David, David led a crazy life. So much going on in his life. But what he does know is that he has a need for a good shepherd. And you know, he has this need. Uh, he has this need for this, this good shepherd. He has the need for a Lord, someone to, to lead him and to guide him. And he says and makes this statement. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. What's cool about this passage is that we connect it to John 10. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and he talks of green pastures there as well. And what we can look at today is that we know that Jesus is leading us into a life of John 10, green pastures of rest, of peace, of calmness. And he's leading us out of a drought, out of weariness, out of busyness, and into green pastures of abundant life and restfulness. What we get the opportunity to do is to be able to hear his voice to hear his voice, to, to listen to it, to take it in and to obey it, to actually even put it into practice. And so if we look even further in Psalm, Psalm 127, verse two, it says this. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. Amen, amen, anybody? But anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Now, I wanna make sure we, we know what this says when it says it's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. Useless, like there is benefit and profit and reason to work, 
But what is, the point is, is that it is useless, useless for you to work too much, to work, to be overworked, to be over busy. Now, I know there's some men in the room that are lean, like nudging their, their wives and saying like, call your mother and your father. It is not that I'm lazy and don't wanna work so much. It is that I am trying to be more godly. That's what it is, right? Like I can hear it. I can see, I can feel it in the room that you're like, just tell my father-in-law that I'm not lazy. I just trying to be more like Christ. That's what I'm doing, right? But what you can know is this, is that God loves you and has given you rest from the busyness of life. And you know what? We need it. We need it. We need to experience it. We need it to be a part of who we are. Rest is so important and we need to enjoy our life. Now, let me give you a statement. When work is an idol, rest will feel like sin. When work has become an idol, rest will feel like sin. But I wanna make sure you know this. Rest is an inactivity but it's a place of re-energizing. Rest is one of these things, it's not laziness, but it's actually a time or a season of nourishing to our life. But rest only works if it's done correctly. It only works if it's done correctly. Now, if we, we mentioned John 10 just a moment ago. Let's look at a couple of the verses out of John 10, verse nine and verse 11. This is Jesus talking and he says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I, in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What we see in this verse, when he says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd, Jesus, is one that is there to protect, to guide, and to direct and lead us. But to also, like we're focusing in on today, is to lead us into rest, into peace, into calm. And he lays down his life for us, and that's what we know and we experience and we see as a part of the cross. But if you back up to that verse nine, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He is the door. If we wanna go into green pastures, then we have to go through the correct door. If we're gonna experience peace and calm, we have to go through the right door. Have you ever been through the wrong door? Or maybe even worse, a door that didn't open? Right, like you've run into a door physically because you thought the door was open or you, know, you, like, you just ran into it. But maybe you've been into a wrong door. I've been into a wrong door a few times in my life. I have walked into the women's restroom a few times in my life. And you go in and I'm like, where's the urinals? And women walk out of the stall and then they're screaming and they're crying. The women are upset too. And like, you know, you get out of there, like it's crazy. But we walk through the wrong door and we don't get to experience what we are going into as we are supposed to. If we wanna experience life and experience it with abundance, we need to walk through the right door. And Jesus is saying right here, I am the door. If you enter by me, you will be saved and you will go in and out and find pasture. We gotta use the correct door to have the best experience, to have life abundantly. The good shepherd is working in your life to bring you to a place of rest. He knows when you need protection, he knows when you need direction, and he ultimately knows when you need rest. He needs you to relax every once in a while, to take a break, to take a moment, and to stop. And we're gonna use this word relax as our acronym for our points for today. And the very first one, letter R, is to realize my worth. To realize my worth. God values you very highly as one of his children. That's your identity. That you are one of his children, not because you work so much or you work so hard, but you are one of his children. And that's what your identity is, is in when you have a relationship with Christ. Now, he doesn't value our work more or less based on how well we do it. I think that's important for you to realize. Like, because you're like, man, I put in 60, 70, 80 hours a week and the other guy only puts in 40, so I am valued more. Not according to God. He values you because of who you are. 
not because of what you do or how well you do it. We've all made statements like, I'm the best teacher. I'm the best lawyer. I'm the best engineer. I'm the best stay-at-home mom. I'm the best whatever. We make these statements or we do these things of like, man, I'm so good at this or I am great at this. One of the ones that drives me crazy is when I, because I heard this recently, is somebody saying like, man, I make great sandwiches. You mean you stack things together and hand it to people? Like, I don't get it. Like, you, there's not really any ability or talent to do that. And like, I've heard people say this and I'm like, really? Like, you make great sandwiches. But we find these little things and we're like, you know, I do this well or I do this great. I do this, I can do this. You know, nobody else can make a sandwich like me. A three-year-old can, but that's a different issue, right? We have these different things that we will focus in and say, man, I am so good at this because we value our work instead of valuing God's work in us. We need to hold value in the God that created us, the God that loves us and knows every single thing about us. We put too much value in our ability to do. If you look at James 1.18, it says, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession." He chose to give birth to us. He gave us life. He created us from nothing. And because of that, we are his prized possession. You know what that means to you today, right here in 2022? You are valued. You are loved. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear that. That God knows you. He created you. And you are his prized possession. You are valued and you are loved. Just like you are just how you walk through your day. He loves you. Now, I want to give you three little facts of life. These are not on your, uh, on your outline, but just three little things for you to know. One of them is this. We will never fully understand how much God loves us. We can never fully grasp how much he actually loves us. The other thing is that we can never do anything that will make God love us more. There's nothing we can do. The other side of that, which is the third one that's also great, is to know this, that we can never do anything that would make God love us less. That should be comforting. You think, man, I've got to work harder and work harder so God will love me. No. But what happens when I mess up and I make mistakes? God still loves you the same. What if I don't do well enough at this, at my, at my job, or in my marriage, or as a, as a parent, or uh, just in life and with people and friends? God still loves you. You see, his love for you isn't based on your performance. It's unconditional love. He loves you because you're his, because he created you, because you're his prized possession, as it says in James 1. It's based on who he is and not on who we are or what we've done. And you don't have to prove your worth by overworking or by staying busy because God already says you are worth it. You're worth it. In fact, you are so worth it that he sacrificed his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and for me. So how can we do this? Letter E, we enjoy. We enjoy what we already have. To enjoy it, to enjoy the things that we already have. We have so much, so many blessings and so many things and people and relationships and connections and, and opportunities in life. And we need to enjoy what we already have. Not get so focused on what's next or how do I get the next thing or do the next thing, take the next step, but maybe focus in on what we already have. You ever go buy an iPhone, like the new iPhone, and then on your way out the door, you see a sign, the newer iPhone's coming the next week? Isn't that frustrating? It's aggravating, but that's the thing, way it is with everything in life. You're like, I got the brand new 2022 whatever, and you're like, oh, 2023's come out in August. What? Now, I'm, now I, got old, I got old school now, right? Like, it's old. I don't have the new anymore. And we get so focused on going to the next thing and the next thing and then jumping to the next thing. I've got this great group of friends, but I need more friends. 
Or I need better friends that do this. I like this, this, and now I need to go to this next step and experience those friends. We need to focus in and enjoy what we already have. We have so much and we want more, but more won't satisfy us, and it never will. We need to enjoy it. We are too busy consuming things to actually experience life. Ecclesiastes 3.13 says, And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are the gifts from God. Eat, drink, and enjoy the fruits of your labor, meaning the fruits you have, the things that you have. Enjoy these things because these are gifts from God. God wants to bless you, but he does not want to bless you to the point of idolatry or to the point of busyness and just keeping you consumed with things and and stuff and the next steps and and all these different things. He wants to bless you, but we need to experience and enjoy the things that he's already blessed us with. We get so busy, you know, making more money, buying more stuff, uh, maybe even meeting new friends that we forget to enjoy who we have and what we have in our life. You see, the fascination of stuff is the assassination of ourselves. The fascination of stuff, being fascinated by things and other and the next and the next and the new will assassinate ourselves because we'll be so consumed with that that it will lead us to destruction. When you think about this, I'm gonna ask you this question. How do you like to rest? What is it that you like to do to rest? Do you like to sit back in front of your big TV and watch a game? Do you like to sit out on the porch in your, your best chair, your favorite chair with a cup of coffee and a, and a good book? Maybe you like to, you know, get out like a, a charcuterie board and a, and a nice glass of cab, you know, like, I don't really know what that is, I had to Google that. And then I had to ask Ashley, our office manager, to make sure I said that right. But like, you know, so like, I don't, what's your thing? Like, what's your thing? What is it that you like to do? What is your moment in your time of rest? What is it experience? Is it just sitting on the couch in absolute silence? Some of you are like, amen. Like, that would be amazing, right? What is it that you like to do to rest? Because God has given you opportunities, and he wants to bless you with rest. Think about Jesus in the Bible. When we look in the Bible, and we see all these stories of Jesus where he just sat back. He rested. He relaxed. Take, he would take just a moment. He would hang out with his friends that he would, you know, it, it talks about him reclining at table, meaning he just was sitting back, just hanging out, talking, laughing, telling stories, talking about the day. Or even the times that he's, you know, maybe walking or traveling with his friends and they just take moments to just stop or they're just telling stories and they're just chatting it up. He gives us a great example of how to rest. Because this is Jesus, this is God who has all, you know, infinite power, energy, resources, knowledge. And even he took moments to rest. He took moments to stop and to take a break. He enjoyed his downtime and just being in the company of others. Maybe we should be more like Christ in this area too. We always talk about trying to be more like Christ or to live more like Jesus. Maybe this is one of those areas that we need to do that in as well. So how can we go about this? The next one, letter L. We need to limit our labor. Limit my labor. We need to limit maybe the amount of stuff that we are doing, the amount of stuff we are getting into, the things that are on our schedule, the the constant need to do more or to schedule something else and to never actually take a moment to just sit and to stop and to rest. So we need to limit our labor. You ever said things like, man, I've got just a lot of plates spinning, a lot of plates, or my my plate's too full. I don't know why we always use plates, but whatever plates is the thing, apparently. I got too much going, too much spinning, too too many things in the air. Like I've I've got too much, too much on my schedule. Maybe we need to regularly evaluate our workload and our schedule so we can remove some of the joy killers that are in our life. Kind of go all like Marie Kondo on these things, be like, does this bring me joy, right? We need to ask ourselves those questions. I've got this meeting and this meeting and this and this and this. I've scheduled this, all these things this week. 
but does this bring me joy? Or am I just doing it because I feel like I need to have something to do? We work ourselves to the bone, work ourselves to death. We take, do all these things and we, we just constantly are adding and, and, and we are rarely subtracting from our day, from our week, from our calendar. But the thing is, is God created a rhythm that he wants us to follow. He's created the rhythm. He's created the pattern for us to follow. It's to work and then rest. To work and then rest. Work and then rest. You get the point? Work and then rest. The problem is that what we do is we work, 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 and then we rest while we think about work. Work, 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 right? Like that's our schedule. That's our rhythm that we try to put into practice. When God says, no, there is a reason. And in fact, Exodus 20, verse 10, at the end of, or excuse me, the beginning, he says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. You shall not do any work. You shall take a moment to stop and to actually take a break. Sabbath is something that is important. It is something that is biblical. It is a command from God. Now, the Sabbath, in what we can see and what we know about the Sabbath, if you read through Scripture, the Sabbath is a day of rest. In Hebrew, it literally means to stop, to stop, to make a clean break, to stop doing and stop acting and to stop working, but to take a moment and to stop. We've seen the death of Sabbath happen I feel like maybe mostly over the last 50 or 60 years, when things used to be closed on Sunday. I remember when I was a kid that like Walmart closed on Sundays at like six o'clock. Like, do you remember that? Like I remember being at home and mom being like, hey, we gotta go get something at Walmart. Jump in the car because it closes in 20 minutes. I don't even know why they have Walmart has locks on their doors anymore, right? Like they don't lock, it's just open, just always, always open. We've seen the death of Sabbath where we've taken, you know, Sunday, or we've taken this day of rest, and we've taken this, this time and we said, you know what, you know, yeah, I'll rest for a few hours, maybe in the morning, you know, uh, but then, you know, I, I, then I got stuff to do. I got things to get done. We won't take an actual time to stop and to rest. Mark 2 actually says that the Sabbath was made to benefit man, that there's a reason behind it. There's a reason and a purpose for God having this built-in day off for us, because he knows when we need a time or a moment or a season of rest, of taking a break. We need a moment of margin in our lives. The next thing on your outline there, the Sabbath. The Sabbath is needed time to do these three things. Number one, to rest my body. The Sabbath is needed time to rest my body. We are physically exhausting ourselves, physically exhausting ourselves. We're not being a good steward of the body that God has given us because we're physically exhausting ourselves by working ourselves so much. And we've turned to things that, uh, because our body is so exhausted, we've turned to medication. Our blood pressure's through the roof. We go to chiropractors and physical therapists, and we need spa days and all these kinds of things because our body is so exhausted. We need to rest our body. We also need to recharge our emotions. We're emotionally drained. We turn to things like counselors and psychologists, self-help books, all these different things because our emotions are a wreck. So we need to recharge. We also need to refocus our spirit. Some of you that are here in the room or listening and watching online right now are so off course in your day, in your calendar, in your schedule that you forget what was a priority for you when you stepped into your career, into your family situation, that you forget what's important. Why did you choose the career that you chose? What are the passions that you have that you've long forgotten? Why did you get your kids into blank, the sport, this hobby, this school, whatever, because it's like we make these initial steps to do it, and then we forget about why we're even doing it. See, not taking a Sabbath day is a, is to rest. Is, it's sin. It's sinful. It's actually the fifth commandment. 
to remember Sabbath day, to keep it holy. We are commanded to do that and to take a moment of rest. Now, I know some of you are sitting here like, well, Pastor Scott, the devil never takes a day off. You know what? You're right, but that's the devil, and I've read the end of the book. The devil loses. So maybe if he had rested, it'd be a closer score. Maybe it would have been a little bit closer game. You know, I don't know. But like, so don't use that as an excuse because, yeah, the, the devil never takes a day off. You know what? God tells us we need to take a day off. We need a moment to stop and to rest. God gave us an example of Sabbath to follow by resting after he created the world. He took a day to rest. It's an entire day set aside to follow his example, to stop and to delight in what we have experienced, what we have. You think about creation when God created the, the everything and then he stepped back and he took a moment to rest and he just enjoyed it. When was the last time that you, step, step, you know, took a step back to sat down and just enjoyed the fruits of your labor? Well, how? How can we shift to do this? Letter A, we can adjust my values. Are your values aligned with your belief system? Are your priorities, they, they may need to be adjusted. You know, I, I've heard recently about from different parents and people freaking out because they think culture and Disney are coming for their kids. Well, let me tell you this. Travel sports has gotten your kids a long time ago. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And did you know that only 0.02% of high school athletes turn professional, but 100% of them face a living God. What's your priority? What's your focus? You have kids in your home? What do they see as the priorities in your home? What do they see as what's important? You might say your kid's faith is important, but does your calendar, does your bank account, do they prove it? Do they actually show that? See, Jesus says this, says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? See, it's okay to stop rest and walk beside still waters because we need it for our soul. It's what we're commanded to do because God knows what's best. What does your calendar say about your faith? Weigh it out this week. If every meeting, every practice, everything you've got scheduled in your calendar goes to perfection this week, how much closer to God are you because it happened that way? Or whose lives or souls are changed for all eternity because your schedule came out perfectly this week? Does what you value have an eternal impact? Because it should. It should. So what can we do to make this change? Letter X, exchange my pressure for God's peace. Exchange my pressure for God's peace. We hate pressure, but yet we bring it on ourselves constantly. And it's driving us crazy and our world is in disarray. It's driving us into chaos and all these different things. And it's nothing new. People have always had pressure on themselves and have always brought pressure on themselves. Now, as I was preparing this part of this message, a song came to my mind, 1981, Queen and David Bowie, Under Pressure. You know the song? You know it? Let me read you a couple lyrics here real quick. Pressure pushing down on me, pressing down on you, no man asked for. Under pressure that burns a building down, splits a family in two, puts people on streets. Um, bah, bah, we won't do that part. It's the terror of knowing what the world is about. Watching some good friends screaming, let me out. And then it goes down a little further. Chipping around, kicking my brains around the floor. These are the days it never rains, but it pours. Under pressure, right? Like we bring on pressure on ourselves and we, we've got this like, you know, pressure cooker that like we're just throwing things in and we're throwing more stuff into our schedule and more stress and more things and lists and to-dos and activities and all this stuff. We're just keep throwing. And eventually the pot is going to what? It's going to explode, but we bring this pressure on ourselves. We constantly bring it onto ourselves when we need to take a moment and to step back and say, I'm not going to bring more pressure, but I'm gonna bring peace because God's offering me peace. He wants me to experience peace. 
The pressure we bring onto ourselves is crushing to our spirit. And what it does is it also is damaging to the, our discipleship. Like we, we have opportunities to, you know, to talk to God and to pray to God and to communicate with God, to read in his word and to understand it and to actually look at it and have it you know, change our lives and who we are. But we're like, man, I'm just too busy. I don't have time to do this. We're continually, continually using pressure and busyness as reasons for not developing our relationship with Jesus on a deeper level. We have prioritized busyness over righteousness. But we gotta create margin in our lives because no one else will. In Psalm 23, it says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. I kind of imagine this like me with my kids at night when I put the, my youngest one, I put her to bed, and a couple minutes later, she comes walking out, my baby's hair is tangled up, get back to bed. And then she comes out a couple minutes later, can we do this tomorrow? Yes, go back to bed. And like, it's just constant, like, you're just like, go back to bed, go back to bed, go back to bed. It's like God telling us, like, take a moment of rest, but I need to do, take a moment of rest, but I gotta go do this. Nope, take a moment of rest, but this is on my schedule. Take a moment of rest. It's like, it's like the, you know, that's what God's doing. He's, he's trying to, to make us lie down and just take a moment to rest. And what's cool about this passage is it says he makes me lie down in green pastures. Pastures is plural right here. Now, that's not just a random thought, but here's why this is important to know why it says pastures. Because when it being plural shows us there's more than one pasture. And what that does is that shows us that the presence of God is inexhaustible. It is far-reaching. and It is never-ending. That you cannot exhaust the amount of peace that God has for you available, that it is always there, that it is always right there for you. The access to peace and calmness is always there, but we've got to enter into it. Jesus invites us in in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, when he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Busyness is sinful because it's an idol, and sin is an invitation to worship something other than Jesus, maybe our to-do list. Maybe our schedule, maybe our job, our career, maybe our kids' activities and sports. You see, I want the, we say things like, I want the freedom to do what I want and when I want, but now I don't have the freedom to stop because I am a slave to blank. Sin leaves you lonely, it leaves you hurting, and when you sin, it invites the possibility of becoming a slave to something other than Jesus, and that will destroy you. It'll destroy you. You see, we've got this system set up in place that we don't take moments to stop and to rest. And if we don't take a moment to stop and to rest now, it will have an effect on our eternity, which leads me to this last point. God has already won my eternal rest through Jesus' death on the cross. He's won my eternal rest through Jesus' death on the cross. We get to experience eternal rest rest because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. You've been to funerals or you've, you've experienced this when people say things like what? Rest in peace. Do you know that you only get to rest in peace if you have a relationship with Christ? If you don't have a relationship with Christ, you do not get peace when you leave this earth. You've heard things like, I'll, I'll rest when I'm, when I'm dead, right? I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, you're only gonna rest when you're dead if, if you have a relationship with Christ. He is the provider and he is the giver of all things peace and calm. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. See those statements? He reconciled everything. He made peace with everything. How? By the means of Christ's blood on the cross. The blood of Christ has created a peace between us and God that is available to every single one of you. 
Life surrendered to the good shepherd is where we are brought over and over again into green pastures for peace and calmness. Our soul needs to be reborn. It needs to be reborn. The, the Hebrew term here would be reanimated or rebirth. It needs to be brought back to life. We need to be reborn. So we need to let go of all of our fears, our doubts, our worries, our schedules, and we need to surrender our hearts and our lives into his care and his leadership. You can be reborn into a new creation in Christ when you surrender everything that you have and everything that you do to him. My challenge for you is this, to lay your schedule at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, how can my schedule, how can my calendar glorify you? What do I need to take out? What do I need to subtract rather than add in? What are things that I need to remove from my schedule because not only don't bring me joy, but they're leading me further away from you? How can you use your schedule to glorify God? Lay it at his feet. Lay it at the feet of the cross. And then more importantly, I want you to lay your heart and to lay your soul at the foot of the cross. Lay your life right there. Allow Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. You see, he has a, a, a time and an ex, a moment for you to experience peace right here on this earth. But more so, he has a, a availability, an option, an opportunity for you to experience peace and calm beyond this life. I don't want you to be too busy now to miss out on what you can experience in him, to ultimately change and affect what you get to experience with him for all eternity. You see, we have victory in, over busyness, but we have victory over sin, over death, over our schedules, because God's made a way for us. He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect and sinless life, to rest, to hang out with his friends, to communicate, to talk, to laugh, to have dialogue, but to ultimately to lead us into a opportunity to follow after him and to be more like him. What we need to do, our opportunity, is to use our free will to be able to talk to him and to surrender our life to him. He's inviting you in, into his kingdom, into his arms, and saying, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you want to experience that rest today? All you need to do is to be able to confess that you are a sinner, to believe in him as Lord and Savior of your life, just to be able to submit and to humbly submit and surrender everything that you are to him. That's my hope for you today. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, how it speaks to each and every one of us. And God, my hope is that today, not only did we learn and be maybe confronted or convicted about our schedules and our busyness and our overworking, but God, we would also just be convicted about where our heart and where our soul is at. Father, what are the things that we have put into place as a priority, as a focus in our life, God, that have really just replaced where you should be? God, what is the focus of our homes? What is the priority of our families? Father, my hope is that today, people would not only surrender their schedule and their calendar at your feet, but Father, they would surrender their life to you in this moment as well. Father, we are so thankful for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross in our place so that we can not only experience rest as you have ordained here on earth, but that we can experience eternal rest as we are in your kingdom for all eternity, celebrating, laughing, talking, just being in relationship in an environment of community. Father, we are so thankful for who you are. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.